Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our podcast and to our ongoing series of Bible studies. I have been working through Psalm 139 with us a series of podcast episodes on that wonderful and personal psalm. But I'm going to be honest with you today. I'm still battling some fatigue from the little bout that I had with COVID. And it's uh, thrown me behind in so many different ways. So for this week's episode, I went back to 2004 and found a message that I've given in so many different forms, so many different times, that is so important to me. And so I thought, just as a one-off this week, I would share with you a message called, I Need Help With My Quiet Time. This is for all of you who may want to have a richer and deeper relationship with the Lord in your personal devotions. My scripture is Psalm 119, verses 147 and 148. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake all through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. When I talk about the quiet time, I mean the practice of having a daily appointment with the Lord, a regular period of daily Bible study and prayer. Some people call this having our daily devotions. Others call it the morning watch. It's the missing vital ingredient in many a Christian life, and today I'd like to approach this subject from three different angles. First, I'd like to share a word of personal testimony. Second, I'd like to show you some scriptures that address this topic in the Bible. And finally, I want to share with you a handful of practical ideas and suggestions for having a meaningful quiet time on your own. By way of testimony, I'm so grateful to the Lord for several influences that helped me establish this practice when I was younger. The earliest influence, although I wasn't aware of it at the time, was my own dad, John I. Morgan. As I grew up, I often saw him reading his Bible at night. And when I was barely old enough to read, he bought me a little Bible, which I kept beside my bed. And in this way, I learned to read the scriptures as a child almost every night before bedtime. Now, that didn't mean that I was actively having what I think of today as a meaningful quiet time. And as I grew older, I got away from that close daily fellowship with the Lord, and like so many young people in teenage years, I got sort of confused. But in my confusion, I enrolled at Columbia Bible College in South Carolina. It was on my second night there that I surrendered my life to the Lord for His service, and it was there that I began to learn the importance of this habit called the quiet time. Now, back in the early 1970s, student life, at least at Columbia Bible College, today Columbia International University, was very regimented. The quiet time was a required part of our schedule. 
Believe it or not, we were awakened every morning at 6.15 by a bell loud enough to call the fire department. We had a half hour to shower and shave and dress, and then another bell would ring, and that would signal the beginning of our quiet time. And we had half an hour every morning from 7.45 to, or from 6.45 rather, to 7.15, and then a third bell would clang for breakfast. For three years, that was my college routine, and it established my quiet time habit for life. I have to say that at first I wasn't too excited about it. I like to stay up late, and sometimes in those earliest days, I just sit there during my quiet time and fall into a dead sleep. And then one day a man came to preach in our chapel services. He stood in the pulpit like a machine gun with a rapid-fire, crystal-clear British delivery, and he gave us expositions on interesting passages of Scripture, and he had a spiritual power about him. His name was Dr. Stephen Olford. One day after chapel, I went up to him, and I asked if he had any advice for a young man contemplating going into the ministry. Yes, he said, with the same dramatic delivery. Never, never, never miss your quiet time. And then he turned and walked away. That's all he said. But it was enough. And I began to realize that there must be something very important about this half hour between the bells. It was shortly after that when another influence came into my life. I had the opportunity of spending some time with a woman who described for us how important the quiet time was to her. One day, as we talked about it, she said, Robert, do you have the notebook habit? I didn't know what the notebook habit was, so she told me about her little loose-leaf notebook made of leather. She said she kept wearing it out, but she knew a leather crafter who kept repairing it for her. There she would record her thoughts that God gave to her every day as she studied her Bible. That very day I found a stationery shop and bought a little notebook, and it's been a lifesaver to me ever since. And then I came upon another set of influences. I became interested in Christian biography. And over and over again, as I read about the lives and missionaries of great Christian men and women, I discovered they all had one thing in common. They they maintained a quiet time habit. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Missionary and author Isabel Kuhn. She's wonderful to read. K-U-H-N. In her book, In the Arena, wrote about a time when she was a student at Moody Bible Institute, and she found herself so busy with school and with work demands that she was in danger of avoiding her devotional life. Other students were facing similar problems, so they met together, and Isabel suggested they sign a covenant, not a vow, but a statement of intention to this effect. I suggest our making a covenant with the Lord to spend an hour a day for about a year in the Lord's presence in prayer or the reading of Scripture. The purpose was to form the habit of putting God in the center of our day and fitting the work of our lives around Him rather than letting the day's business occupy the central place and trying to fix the quiet time with the Lord somewhere shoved into the odd corner or the leisure moment. She said that about nine people signed the covenant to begin with, but the news spread and others began to join. And soon, many students were having their daily quiet time. For Isabel, the major problem became finding a quiet place. 
She said the only place I could find where I would disturb no one was the cleaning closet. So each moment I stole down the hall, entered the closet, turned the scrubbing pail upside down, sat on it, and with mops and dust rags hanging around my head, I spent a precious half hour with the master. She said the other half hour had to be found at the end of the day. Another missionary to China, Bertha Smith, wrote a fascinating story of her life. She said it was bitterly cold in her part of China. During the day, she wore 30 pounds of clothing, and at night, she slept under heavy bedding with a hot water bottle. But her challenge came in the early morning hour when she wanted to rise before others so she could have her quiet time before the many interruptions of every day. She struggled in the darkness, she said, to put on her 30 pounds of clothing, and then she broke the ice to wash her face in the cold water, and then she said she would slip out to a particular haystack where she would rake aside the frosted part of the hay, kneel down, and spend time with the Lord before the sun came up. Can you imagine such a thing? But how motivational. The great Puritan Thomas Watson wrote, The best time to converse with God is before worldly occasions stand knocking at the door to be let in. He said, the morning is, as it were, the cream of the day. Let the cream be taken off and let God have it. Wind up your heart towards heaven at the beginning of the day, and it will go better all day long. And here's what one of his biographer said about William Carey, the father of modern missions, who served for many years in the land of Burma. They said he found God especially near among the flowers and shrubs of a garden. In the walled garden of the mission house in Serampore, he built an arbor, which he called his bower, there at sunrise before tea. And at the time of full moon, when there was the least danger of snakes, he meditated and prayed, and the book which he ceaselessly translated for others became his own source of strength and refreshment. This is what a biographer wrote about L. Nelson Bell, another missionary to China. Most important of all was Nelson Bell's discipline of devotional life. Early every morning he had a cup of coffee and went to his desk for about an hour of Bible study and prayer. He set himself to master the content and meaning of the Bible, devising such study schemes as looking up every Old Testament reference which occurs in the New Testament and typing it out. Then he turned to prayer for friends, colleagues, and patients, praying especially for every patient listed for operation that day. This cycle of reading and prayer did not strike Nelson as formidable, but as vital. Well, those are just a sampling of the things that I observed as I read the stories of great men and women, and so it's no wonder that my appreciation increased for the importance of the quiet time. And so by God's grace, this is a habit that I've maintained for over a half century since 1971. I can't say I've never missed a day because I have occasionally. I still do. But by and large, I consider this the most important habit of my life, and I frankly think that I would collapse without it. It provides the daily nourishment for my soul, just like food and water for the body. Now, let me come to another angle on this subject. What does the Bible say? 
Well, let's begin with the prophet Daniel. Everybody knew about his faithfulness to his daily devotions and to his prayer time. His enemies schemed against him by persuading the king to issue a prohibition against prayer. Look at Daniel 6.10 and notice especially the end of the verse. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. So this was a lifelong habit. I suppose Daniel rose in the morning for his quiet time, and then he went to his office and he worked through the morning before coming home at lunch or siesta, where he also found a few minutes for prayer. And then at the close of the day, his work behind him, he spent time with the Lord before going to bed. That was his lifelong habit. Now, look at this example. It's the example of Jesus in Mark 1.35. It says, now in the morning, having risen, A long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And it was this same Jesus who said in Matthew Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The old translations say, Go into your closet. And I still like that old translation. I remember visiting London with my wife, Katrina, and we took a tour of the house of John Wesley, the famous evangelist and the founder of the Methodists. On the second floor was Wesley's bedroom, and attached to the bedroom was a little room about the size of a closet with nothing in it except a table and chair and a little window. This was Wesley's prayer closet, and it is still called the powerhouse of Methodism. The actual Greek word that Matthew used is a word that meant a storage room, a pantry, or a spare stable in the barn, or a root cellar. In those days, large families tended to live together in small houses. There was very little privacy. The only room not inhabited would be the storage room. So Jesus was advising us to find a quiet, private place and use it for meeting secretly with the God of the universe. And that's what the quiet time is. Now, let me give you a couple of words of warning. It's important to realize that a daily quiet time does not represent the totality of our fellowship with God. It doesn't mean that we can meet with God in the morning and then leave him there in the closet while we go into the day. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. In other words, communion and fellowship with God is the constant privilege of the Christian. But the quiet time is sort of when we center our minds on that, and it's the basis for this day-long relationship. Second, it's important to realize that this daily quiet time is not simply a routine or a ritual. It's a relationship. We meet with, we, we meet Christ at the cross. We call that conversion, but then we meet with him in the closet, and we call that conversation. It's at the cross that we come to know Christ, and it's in the closet that we come to know him better. Exodus 33:11 says that Moses met with the Lord face to face as a man speaks to his friend. There's an old Ralph Carmichael song that says, There is a quiet place far from the rapid pace where God can soothe my troubled mind. Sheltered by tree and flower, 
There in my quiet hour with him my cares are left behind. Whether a garden small or on a mountain tall, new strength and courage there I find. Then from this quiet place I go prepared to face a new day with love for all mankind. Now, in closing, let me devote a few minutes offering some practical suggestions for the quiet time. First, remember the purpose. It is essentially a conversation, a time of fellowship, a daily meeting, or an appointment with God. It isn't a complicated thing, and the simpler that we can keep it, the better. It isn't always even necessary to have a Bible with you. Sometimes it's nice just to go for a walk and spend time meditating on a verse of Scripture that you already know, thinking through a passage and talking to the Lord about it and praying over the things that concern you. Usually, however, it's very helpful to have a Bible, preferably a new translation. And remember that you're not reading the Bible to get through a certain amount of Scripture or to prepare a sermon or to develop a Bible study lesson. You are going there to find nourishment for your own soul. Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. And that's a good con uh, definition for the quiet time. Second, have a procedure. First, I open God's Word, and after a brief prayer asking for blessing, I start reading where I left off the day before. I don't try to read a certain number of verses or chapters. I just read until I find a verse that speaks to me, and then I begin praying at that point, and I move into a time of prayer. It's like a conversation. The Lord speaks to me through His Word, and I speak to Him in prayer, and it's through this sort of daily conversation that we come to know Him better. And then use a pen. As I said earlier, I like to keep a little notebook, and it's divided into two parts. The first part is a very simple journal, and every morning when I come to my desk, I have a cup of coffee and my Bible, and I'll jot down the date in my journal and might write something about my day or how I'm feeling. I usually make a little entry of some kind, but then I just put down the scripture reference that I'm reading, and as I read through a passage, I might make some notes there. It's enormously helpful to make a few notes. I also use a wide margin Bible. Sometimes I'll make notes in the Bible, but just to have some way of doing it. If you don't use a notebook at all, you can use a wide margin Bible and just put today's date where you begin reading today and read until you find a verse that really speaks to you and circle it, make some notes about it, and the next day do the same thing. Start at the same point and just cycle through the scriptures in this way, feeding on his faithfulness. For a prayer list, you can even use the fly leaf of your Bible or a piece of paper or um, you can just use a mental list. But again, simplicity is the rule. I keep uh, a little bit more extensive set of prayer lists, but the Bible and prayer is a conversation. And so work on developing this in the way and according to the method that works best for you. I think it's important to have a regular place and time. As I read through the Gospels, it seems to me that Jesus had two places that he used for his closet. When he was in the north of Israel and Galilee, he would retreat to the mountains to be alone. But where did he go for his quietness when he was in Jerusalem? Acts chapter 18 verse 2 says that he would often go out of the city across the Kidron Valley and into an olive grove or orchard 
that was apparently walled and owned by a friend who gave him access to it. This place was called Gethsemane, and he was so often there that Judas knew he would be there on the night when he led the soldiers to arrest Jesus. So for you, it might be the kitchen table or the front seat of your car or your bedside um, at night, or it could be uh, the rocker on your back porch. It doesn't have to be in the morning. If the evening is better for you or the midnight hour or the noon hour during your lunch break, that's fine. Uh, but just find the time that works the best for you. And understand that uh, you aren't here to study for any preparation that you're doing, but instead just find time to enjoy being with the Lord. And finally, exercise perseverance. A world-famous pianist once said, if I miss a day of practice, I can always tell it. If I miss two days, the critics will pick it up. If I miss three days, the audience will know it. Well, I feel the same way about my quiet time. Let's be like the psalmist who said, I rise before the morning and I get that word from the Lord. Whether in a garden small or on a mountain tall, new strength and courage there we'll find. Then from this quiet place, we go prepared to face a new day with love for all mankind. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this bonus issue of the Robert J. Morgan podcast on I Need Help With My Quiet.